Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 18. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. I want to read the passage as we think about what Jesus did for us, what we're remembering today, what was necessary for our sins to be washed away, to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to go from here back to Exodus, a couple of passages, and then we're going to come back to the New Testament, to Colossians. So that kind of gives you an idea of where we're headed this morning. So first of all, I want to read from John chapter 18, and you can find this story in all of the Gospels, told uh, a little bit differently from different perspectives, but all inspired by the Holy Spirit and for our learning so we can put the whole picture together. We can read this in a very short period of time, um, but as we think about that night and that morning and what all Jesus went through, on up through to the crucifixion and throughout that day until he died, it would take a much longer period of time. Even if you go to a passion play or you watch a movie that's been produced regarding this setting, it's very short compared to what the amount of time that Jesus actually spent from the time that he was arrested in the garden until the time he walked uh, to his different trials and his different appearing before different leaders, whether it was religious leaders or whether it was before Herod or whether it was before Pilate, and the people crying out, uh, crucify him, and all of this, and, and everything that took place, it was quite a long period of time. And in all of that time, Jesus took his suffering and his death quietly, if you will. He did not... He did not strike back at his enemies, but instead he laid down his life and said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we can read this story and we can be angry with the scribes and the Pharisees and those. Or we can be angry with Pilate and say, What in the world is wrong with this guy? He had the authority. Uh, what was he so scared of these people for? Just because they said, Well, this guy says he's... Uh, a king, and, and if you don't put him to death, well, you're, you're a, not a friend of Caesar. And so in fear, we could look at Pilate and say, what in the world is wrong with you? You should have at least once in your life listened to your wife. She was nervous about this whole thing. Uh, should have listened to her instead of all these other people. But what I want us to remember today, especially as we take of these emblems and we, we think about what Jesus did for us, it was each one of us and our sins that put him on the cross. So we can blame and we can accuse and we can get angry at those other people as we, as we read this. And it's not as that they had no blame. Because Jesus even said to, the, to Pilate that those that gave me over to you have the greater sin. And so they did. But the fact is it was all of our sins that put him on the cross. And that's why we remember today what he did for us, so that we do not and we dare not forget. Starting at verse 28 of John chapter 18, we're kind of jumping into the middle of the story here. We're going to read all the way over to verse 30 of chapter 19. So verse 28 says, Then, they, then led they Jesus... From Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, uh, 
And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor or a criminal, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. I want to stop just there and insert a little something. How many times had they taken up stones to kill Jesus, and he would sneak out, and he'd be gone? The Bible says it was not yet his hour. His hour had not yet come. And so they couldn't stone him to death. Not long after this, they stoned Stephen to death. And they appointed Paul to take Christians and put them in prison and persecute them and so forth. So this idea that, that what they say right here is just a flat-out lie, that they, they can't put him to death. We want you to do it. But look at verse 32. They said that, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out unto the Again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find no fault at all. I find in him no fault at all. But you have a custom that I should release you unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And a scourging was a horrible thing to go through. It was not a simple whipping. It was not just a beating. They would often tie them in such a way that their nerves and their muscles were taut. And then they would take whips with sharp pieces of glass, metal, bone, whatever, and beat them until they were basically, many would die in that process. But it says that he, that, uh, he took him and scourged him. Verse 2, And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns, and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe, and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again, and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. 
The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. He went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was a preparation of the Passover, about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him, and away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into the place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. This title then read, Many of the Jews from the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother, and disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar, and put it on, upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up the ghost. Turn back with me to the book of Exodus. I'd like for you to keep that picture in your mind whatever picture may have come to your mind as we were reading that passage. You're thinking about the pure Lamb of God being 
beaten and scourged and mocked, ridiculed, and eventually crucified, dying on that cross, and laying down his life for us. He could have called the angels to come and deliver him. He could have probably talked his way out of the situation with Pilate. He could have given Pilate some advice that may have gotten him out of the situation. But he told Pilate, if it wouldn't be that I give you the power to do this, if, if God wouldn't allow it, you couldn't do it. And so he allowed it to happen. So we go back here to Exodus chapter 12. We see the institution of the Passover. Now Jesus had eaten the Passover with his disciples. But he changed the Passover to reflect on himself. And we remember now it referring to Jesus and not just a Passover lamb. Starting at verse 1 of Exodus chapter 12, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it. According to the number of souls, every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. Now notice here, verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish. So referring here to the fact that Jesus was the lamb of God without blemish. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now, there's a lot of typology in this that we won't mention, but they were to take this lamb and bring it in, and in a sense make it a pet almost to them, something that they knew knew them. But then you take the lamb, and you shall kill it in the evening. And Jesus died in the afternoon, later in the afternoon. He died. So there's another thing. He said, you're going to kill this lamb. Did the lamb do anything wrong? Did the lamb do anything that was out of line, that he should be killed and sacrificed? Did the lamb dying save himself? No. The lamb died. The lamb gave his life, not willingly, But the lamb did give his life. Then it says, And ye shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire, unleavened bread, bitter herbs shall they eat it. I think I'll read on down. I want to come back to a couple of verses there. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head and his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until morning. And that which remaineth of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Now stop there. It says you eat the flesh of it that night and you leave nothing remaining. 
What was the importance of that? Why was nothing to be left? Why was the entire lamb either to be eaten or to be burned up with fire? Don't break the legs of it. <clears throat> Don't break any bones in it, but all of it. Remember that one time Jesus, talking to a multitude, said, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. You must eat my flesh, he says, and drink my blood. And it was a hard saying. They didn't understand it. And a lot of people still don't understand it. There are groups of people that believe this morning that we would say some sort of mysterious saying over these emblems, and they would literally become the actual flesh of Jesus and his actual blood. And because Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me, but if you do, you do. So in eating of the, the, the bread and drinking of the wine, you take him into your body, literally, physically, and then you have part with Jesus. It changes your view on how you have to live otherwise. But that being aside, that's where the salvation lies. We don't believe that. But there is a sense, and when Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, we must accept his suffering and take his life within our life in order to be Christians. In this case, it says you must eat all of it. It must all be consumed. There is nothing that can be left. And I believe that shows us that we do not pick and choose what part of Jesus or his suffering or his death or his resurrection we want and what part we don't. <clears throat> Excuse me. We cannot say, well, I like the love part of Jesus. I like the fact that he's, he's love. So that's the part I want. Oh, the part that Jesus has certain commandments, the part that Jesus is going to return someday, and the fact that he's going to pour out his wrath upon the unbeliever. Nah, no, no, that's not the Jesus I know. No, we don't need that part of Jesus. You either take all of Jesus or none of him. That's the same with me. We either take him all or we don't get any. They were commanded, you eat all of that lamb. And what's not eaten needs to be consumed with fire. Jesus gave his entire self, his entire body, to be scourged, to be beaten, and to die physically for us. He didn't keep part of himself back and say, well, you can whip me, but that's as far as I'm going. And that, that should be enough. He gave of himself. And he said, I'll go to the cross, be scourged, every bit of me, sacrificed. For the sinners. The lamb was to be completely consumed. What wasn't consumed was given, in a sense, in a burnt offering sacrifice for God. Why? Why was this to be done? Well, they were to strike the, the post of the house, the door, with blood that was shed. It says, in the house wherein they shall eat it. So they were to eat the lamb in their house. Well, where is the house today, in a sense? It's right here. So again, I think we see that we can, we can take of these emblems today, but if the blood of Jesus Christ hasn't been applied to our hearts first, it does us no good. They could have taken that lamb... A family could have taken a lamb and said, you know what? 
Ah, lamb is good. We actually had some lamb yesterday. Um, it was good. The lamb is good. I'll eat the lamb, but I, that blood thing, I don't like that. Forget putting blood on the doorpost. What if we don't leave this place? And the last thing I want to have to do is try to get blood off the doorpost. I'm not going to mess with it. They could have taken of the lamb, and when God passed through Egypt, they would have, their firstborn would have died the same as everyone else's. There's no hope. They first applied the blood to the doorpost of their homes, to their houses, where it was going to be eaten. And so today, we apply the shed blood of Jesus Christ to our hearts, to our lives, where we're going to take of these emblems and where we take Jesus into our life and make him a part of us and we become like him. As you go down into verse 11, it says, And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. What was the point of that? Well, they needed to be ready to go. And I think, again, we see something here for us today as a church. You're eating the Lord's Passover. You're to have your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and your loins going about, you're ready to leave. And we need to be ready to go. Wouldn't it be something if he actually called us out of here during the communion service? Wouldn't that be something? We'd be out of here. It'd be amazing. Praise the Lord. That's how that was their mindset because they actually were physically leaving Egypt and they needed to be ready to go. Well, I've got news for you. If we are indeed born again, followers of Jesus Christ, we're leaving too physically someday. And we need to be ready to go. And so, but you know what? They could have had, again, they could have been ready to go, shoes on their feet, waiting to go and all of this stuff. But if they didn't do what was asked of them first, to apply the blood to the doorpost and take of the lamb, sacrifice the lamb, they could have kept their shoes on all they wanted. They would have been left behind and the firstborn would have died. In verse 12 he says, For I, God speaking here, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of the Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you, to destroy you, and when I smite the land of Egypt. The next morning, these people that obeyed and followed this must have been quite shocked at the sight around them. If they would have looked out across a field of cattle, they would have seen dead cattle out there. Not all of them, but some of them. Dead sheep. Dead this, dead that. But the, the crying and the wailing and the lamenting of their neighbors and maybe friends who had lost people in their homes. Every family affected by this. 
And they recognized full well what the blood of the Lamb had done for them. There was no question. As they looked at their firstborn in their homes, it's like, we're all here. We're all here. It worked. We're all here. And they would have heard the crying. And I wonder how it could be that so soon after that, they were complaining and saying, well, why don't we just go back to Egypt? You brought us out here to die anyway. What's going on? What's the deal? But I asked the question for myself as I thought about this passage. What about the lost around me? What about when Jesus comes back and the, and the church is gone, the lamenting and the crying and the wailing of those that missed it? What about those that are dying every day without the blood of the Lamb on, on their hearts and they're dying and they're going to hell and the crying and the lamenting, how soon do I forget it? You know, I look at these people and I think, how could they forget that so quickly? What happened? I mean, they, they left their homes and they saw what had happened. Matter of fact, they were told, get out of here because of what had happened. And they seem to have forgotten pretty quickly. But what about myself? The sins being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then do I forget? And I start grumbling and complaining. Things aren't right. This isn't right. That isn't right. I'm frustrated about this. And on and on and on. And, and I forget what Jesus Christ has done. And that I need to pass it on to others. Go over to um, verse 43 of this chapter. And I want to look at verses 43 to 49. We, we talk about sometimes close communion, those that are of like precious faith, and we commune with and we appreciate each other and not all groups do that. It's not a thing of being judgmental. But notice something here, and this is, no, this is not saying we go around judging other Christians or anyone even in our, in our midst. But notice something about this. There was, when it came to the Passover ordinance, there was a requirement. And I want to take that requirement then and go to the New Testament and look at something. It says, The Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat of it. Now, I'm talking to myself this morning as well as anyone else. If I'm not a part of the family of God, I've got no business eating of these emblems, taking part of it. And I think that's why in the New Testament it says, if you eat and drink unworthily, you eat and drink damnation to yourself. So we need to examine ourselves. That's why he said, let a man examine himself and see whether he is right or not. And he says, but every man's servant that is bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. All the congregation shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, 
and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Notice verse 49. One law shall be to him that is home-born and unto the strangers that sojourneth among you. It didn't matter if you were home-born. In other words, if you were a part of the tribe in a sense. Or if you were a stranger... As long as you followed the law of circumcision, you could partake of the Passover. There's one rule for everybody. We don't get in to Christianity because of who we were born to or what family we were raised in or what church we were raised in or anything like that. Well, how do we apply that today? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. As we think about the blessing of being a part of the family of God. And there are many people that are part of this family that are not here taking communion with us this morning. But I want us just to think about something. That, that communion was, the, the Passover was specifically for those who had followed the law of circumcision and that, was, that had to be done. In Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 6, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. <clears throat> Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tra tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. He's talking here a lot about the whole thing of them trying to force the, the Gentiles to be circumcised. For in Him, talking about Christ, and this is just an amazing verse, in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Christ Jesus dwelt all, the, the, you take the Godhead, the deity, and put it all together in Jesus Christ, he, it dwelled in him bodily, and he came here and was a sacrifice for our sins. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. There's nothing ahead of, of Christ. Now notice verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. There you have the requirement. Now, putting off of the flesh of sin. We no longer are concerned about the circumcision made with hands, but that which is made through Jesus Christ to the hearts of mankind. That we put away the sinful flesh and our sinful ways and our sinful desires. And notice in verse 12, Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. And that word operation there, if I understand it in the Greek, I think it's actually maybe the word where we get our word energy. 
It's used of supernatural power, I think, only in the New Testament. I don't think you'll find that word used for anything outside of supernatural power in the New Testament, either for the devils or for God. And so, if you think about this here, the operation of God working in us, we have faith in the supernatural power of God to raise us up from the dead, not only physically someday, but to be raised up now. And walk, like it says back here in verse 6, Ye therefore receive Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. We are raised up to walk in Jesus Christ because of the operation of God. So back there where there was circumcision as a requirement to partake of the Passover, whether you were homeborn or whether you were a stranger, it's all the same. Today, I believe, there is a requirement again. And it goes back to what we were looking at back there. That we have had the operation of God, the power of God, the supernatural power of God to change us. And to get rid of the fleshly mindset that is is dragged down by sin. And instead we have the faith placed in the fact that God is that supernatural changer of hearts. Let's go back to verse uh, 13. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. How did he do that? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. Took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, I'm not sure exactly what Satan was thinking. I'm not sure in all of that. We don't know for sure. But there is a sense in which all the the demons of hell and and the darkness was against him and they may have thought they had managed to accomplish what they had wanted to do but Jesus Christ rose from the dead by the supernatural power of, of God and basically made an open show of his power over the principalities and he can do the same thing in our lives Sometimes people say, well, why don't we see the miracles today that we want to see? Why can't I see a miracle? I want to see a miracle. Well, I want, to, I want to tell you that we see miracles all around us. There's a bunch of miracles sitting right here this morning. The fact that God can take a sinner, talks here about we were dead in our sins, take a sinner and by the supernatural power of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, can change people. And make them saints. Now if that isn't a miracle, I don't know what it is. And we remember that today when we think about what Jesus went through to make that possible. Jesus went through to make that possible for each one of us. And we're going to remember that today. Because he shed his blood and he gave his broken body, his bruised and torn body, to make that possible.
And today, we can partake of that. But we need to be made right by the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. Circumcision of the hearts made pure for his kingdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your shed blood. Thank you, Lord, that when you pass over the land, you look at us and you see the blood of Jesus Christ and you pass over. Thank you, Lord, that we can place our faith in that supernatural working in our hearts. And Lord, I just pray that in my life you would continue that work, continue to just bring me closer to you, Lord, and uh, show me the areas that need to change. And I pray, Lord, that you would be faithful to all of us here as a brotherhood in that way, that you would draw us closer to yourself. Lord, as we partake of these emblems this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to never forget what you have done for us What a beautiful thing you have done for your church. And Lord, help us to always be mindful that there are those who have not accepted this plan of salvation. And Lord, help us to also be mindful that we need to be ready to go at a moment's notice to go with you. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray.